You're on the Plants Grow Here podcast. I'm Daniel Fuller. Come along with me as we enter a hidden world of deep horticultural, ecological and landscape gardening knowledge with featured experts, industry professionals and enthusiasts. I remember when I first started professionally gardening and a lot of the better gardeners I was working with were using pruners that had red handles and I wondered what brand it was that they were all using. Fast forward eight or nine years, and I am so thrilled to be able to interview somebody representing the famous Falco brand in a two-part series. This first episode is all about choosing the right pruners for the job, which is really just as important as that old chestnut, right plant, right place. A good horticulturist will have a range of tools that they use to make different types of cuts, and the types of pruners that I'll use as a maintenance gardener may not be the same tools that all plant professionals will use. Our guest is Blaise Vino, the retired Managing Director of Falco Australia, who's been with the company for over 15 years. Welcome to the show, Blaise. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah, no worries. So, I guess before we get into the meat of this episode, I'd like to talk about something that's happened recently, which is that a company called Heinegger has taken over distribution within Australia. So what's changed since you were Managing Director of Falco Australia? Well, Falco has been in Australia for a long time. And 20 years ago, uh, Falco decided that it was a good idea to create their own subsidiary. And uh, that's uh, what was done really 20 years ago. And there was a, a first Managing Director, and then I took over 10 years ago. And last year, I decided that I would retire this year. And when Falco looked at the, at the options, for my succession, uh, Heinegger came to mind because Heinegger is a Swiss company and they are representing us in New Zealand. So it was a logical fit. And by uh, giving the distribution to Heinegger, it um, to some extent increased or, or present on the market because they've got offices in Perth, Adelaide, and Melbourne, and it gives us a wider footprint for the distribution. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So that's just happened recently. It happened uh, really at the beginning of the year. So in this episode, we'll be speaking about choosing the right pair of pruners. Blaze, why do you think it's important as a professional plant person to choose a good quality pair instead of a pair of cheapies? Well, it's like every trace people. You don't see trace people working with uh, bad tools because you want to use the best tool you can afford because it gives you a better quality of work, it works faster, it's easier, less stress. So all these factors come into play when you're choosing a tool. It's the same like buying a hammer or buying a a chisel. It's all about making your life easier, if that makes sense. Okay. So it's more than just about how long the tools will last. It's also about making your life easier as a professional. Can you explain what that means? Yes. If you've got a... If you've got a cheap pair of cicators, they might not be easy to keep sharp or properly adjusted. So whenever you prune, it's a bit harder or your cut is not very clean. And if your cut is not very clean, your plant are more likely to get disease or you put more stress on your hand. And some of our customers are, well, many of our customers actually work in vineyards, for example, and they would prune for probably 12 weeks or 15 weeks in a row. You can imagine how much stress you put on your hands if you got a bad tool. 
We'll be speaking a little bit more about ways to reduce stress on your hands a little bit later in the episode, but Blaze, what do you look for when you're choosing a pair of pruners? Oh, yeah, uh, there are two, two, two points I would, I would consider. A first look for a reputable, reputable brand where I know that a professional would use this brand and I say, okay, if the professionals are using this brand, I'm confident it's a good brand. And then if I come down to the specific type of pruners, I would try to find something that fits my hand, something I'm comfortable with. And what is comfortable for me might not be comfortable for you. So that's why we've got quite a few options in the range. You guys have got a huge range when it comes to the products that you guys are offering. And each of the pruners are sort of designated a number. So the ones that I have and love are the Felco 2s. And I've noticed that these are the ones that a lot of professional gardeners use. Why do you think that the 2s are so popular, Blaze? Well, if you go back to the numbering, Felco was very it was very logical, I mean, very Swiss logic. They started with number one and then did number two, three, four. So it's pretty much a chronological order of, of the tools. It doesn't mean anything else. Now, the Felco 2 is pretty much the original tool and the design was so good that it has remained until today. So these tools were created in 1945 and we can still today put the blade, the current blade of the Felco 2 on the original tools. The design was, I don't know, a stroke of genius. And it is today still the most sold tool in the world for Felco. So what happened to number one? Well, the number one disappeared. The number one was a Felco, well, like the Felco 2, but with shorter handles. And it disappeared. Right. And people preferred the longer handles. Yeah. Look, I cannot really explain it. Just uh, probably at the beginning, that they, they made it a bit shorter. And then they decided, no, we may need something which fits more or slightly larger hands. Down the track, then they came back with other tools that are for smaller hands. But the, the original version of the Felco 2, the, the, the Felco 1, didn't survive. Okay. I have a friend on Twitter who's sort of said that they have the 11s, which are similar to the 2s, but are a little bit different. Yes. So the, well, the Felco 2 is built like with an anvil blade, which is riveted on the handle. So without getting too technical, it just means that when you need to change the non-cutting part of the blade, you need to remove rivets, which is a bit tricky. The Felco 11 was designed to alleviate this issue where the anvil blade is screwed on the handle. So if you wanted to change it, you just remove two screws and swap it for a new one. Now, the design, the tool uses the same blade as the Felco 2. So they're pretty similar, but the handles are a fraction thinner and it gives it a different feel. So it's a tool which is as good as the Felco 2, but it's a matter of preferences. You know, some people prefer the 2 because the, the handles are a bit thicker. Some people prefer the 11 because the handles are thinner and the anvil blade is easier to change. Okay, and I think that I like the 2s because they're a little bit heavier and a little bit meatier than some of the other pruners that I've tried before. And I think that that's probably true of all Falcos, that they are a little bit sort of heavier. I, I was surprised by how heavy they are compared to some of the cheaper ones that I've used in the past. Well, they're not, yes, you might feel them heavy, but they're not that heavy. Not that they're too heavy to carry, but they just feel like they're really good quality when you hold them in your hand. They're pretty sturdy, yes. And the, it's a, there's a lot about feel. 
as I said, I would pick up a tool which I feel comfortable with. And I use the word feel uh, on purpose because if you're going to use a tool all the time, in, yeah, it's nice to have something that feels good. If you use your Felco tool, you might even, they, they make a specific noise when you close them, when they, there's sort of a swish noise. It's just because the blade is properly adjusted and it gives you a lot of confidence to work. Totally agree. I've worked with somebody who had a different pair of Felcos because she had small hands. What options are there for people who have small hands out there? Okay, for the small hands, we got a, a number of options. And small hand, yeah, on the packaging, you got large, medium or small, well, large or small. What we call large usually is a standard size hand, you know, most people. If you got a smaller hand and you feel that the tool is too big, you got different options. You got the Felco 6, which is what we call a medium hand. So it looks a bit like the Felco 2, but it's shorter and it doesn't open as much. And then we now, since last year or the year before, we got the Felco 14, which is actually even smaller. And again, it's a matter of how you feel with it. So smaller tools don't open as much as larger tools. So the design capacity, a cutting capacity for the Felco 2 is 25 millimeters, and for the Felco 6 is 20 millimeters. But in the end, you can only cut as much as your hand can open. And people sometimes come to me and say, oh, no, I want oh, the Felco 6 is too small. I want a bigger one. So, yeah, but how big is your hand? So you cannot, you can, you can, if you cut something too big with, a, with your cigarettes, I mean, you're going to strain your hand. That, that's all there is. So the Felco 6, actually, in terms of design, has got a very good leverage. So on the leverage, is probably even better than the, the 2, which is a distance between the center bolt on the top of the handle. Okay, so that sort of helps people who have smaller hands to get as much leverage as they can. Yeah, you lose a bit of opening of the blade, but you don't lose power. And the reality is, look, you never cut something which is as big as the opening of the blade, or you might try. Yeah, I have to admit I'm guilty of that. <laughs> yeah, it works, but <laughs> but it's not really good for your hands. <laughs> So you're not going to break the good thing with a, with, with a Felco. So you're not going to break the, the tool. You might stress your, your wrist or your hands, but you're not going to, to break the tool. I trust my Felcos, and that is a beautiful thing, and it, that makes them worth the money. There are also other ways that we can make our lives easier when we're pruning. So we've talked about pruning options for people with small hands. Can you tell us a little bit about the rotating handle that you guys offer? Yes. So the, the, the rotating handle was invented by Felco, I think, back in the early 70s. They worked with a German university to, to do ergonomic tests and ergonomic design. And the rotating handle has got two purposes. One is to reduce the calluses on your hand, and the second is to reduce the stress on your wrist. When you use a pair of... Visualize how you use your Felco tools. Two things can happen. That when you print, you might let, let the handle slide a bit. So you don't always hold on tight to the handle and you might let it slide a bit. So if you do that all day long, pruning vineyards, for example, you end up with calluses. The rotating handle fits into your hand and turns with your finger so it doesn't slide, so you don't get the calluses or, or the blist, even the blisters. The second issue that can happen that people tend to lift the bottom fingers from the handle, and you will see that often. They, they will grab the tool with a thumb on the two top fingers and let the, the bottom fingers, you know, hang in the air. With the rotating handle, you cannot let, you have to have them on the handle. So basically you spread the load on all the fingers. So even your, your, your pinky is just 
putting pressure on the handle on spreading the load, which actually brings a stress reduction about 30% on your wrist. And that was a really, really great invention. Felco had a patent for 10 years, and then everybody had a rolling handle. <laughs> but that's okay. That's the way you, you, you progress and you improve the industry. Mm, absolutely agree. And, and rolling handle, it's a matter of hate or love. Right. Some people will never, will never get used to it. But when you get used to it, it's very hard to go back. Okay, so that's the one you use? I use, I use a rolling handle, yes. Yeah, and what number is that one? It's a seven. So the standard size is a seven. And then you now, you, you got the medium size, which is a 12. And you even got now a smaller size, which would be the 16. I would have to check because it's a new one. Basically, every size got now the fixed handle, the rolling handle, and the left version of the tool. And that was going to be my next question. What do left-handed people have to do to be comfortable with their pruners? Look, there are about, uh, what we say, there's about 10% of the population who is left-handed. And I can assure you, we're not selling 10% of cicatrices in a left-handed version. Okay. So it doesn't mean that left-handed people don't do gardening mm. or they're gardening with right-hand tools. I suggest it's a second version. Lots of left-handed people have trained their, their brain to to use the right hand to, to prune. Uh, why would you use a left-handed cicatrice instead of right-hand cicatrice? There are two, two main reasons. Uh, you're looking at the hand-eye alignment and coordination with the cicatrice. So when you prune, there is a saying that say anvil to waste. So basically, you want to have the blade on the side of the plant, on the non-cutting part of the cicatrice, on the, on the waste, the, the bits that will fall out because your cut is cleaner on the blade side. And when the wood is pressed again the other side, it might bruise a bit. So the bruise goes away. That's fine. The issue is, especially when you work in uh, intensive cultures, the, the bruise on the plant is the, makes the healing slower. And the longer it takes to heal, well, the most opportunities you've got for disease to get into the plant. So which is not something that you might be too concerned in your I mean, in home garden, but if you're in orchards or vineyards and, or intensive cultures, that's more of a concern. So, yeah, so back to the left-handed ones. If you use a right-hand tool in your left-hand tool, you actually don't see the, the cutting side of the blade. So it's harder for you to, 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 to do a precise cut. The second reason is that if you look at cicatrices, the handles are slightly slanted to, feel in, to, to fit in your hand. So if you use a, a right-hand tool in your left-hand tool, in your left hand, sorry, the handles are slanted the wrong way, so it's not comfortable. So it's about comfort and also about what you can visibly see when you're working. Absolutely. And I've had people left-handed who have been using right-hand tools all their life and they don't want to move to a left-hand tool because they don't want to retrain their brain. It feels odd for them to, have, to, to prune with the left hand. So they're left-handed, but not when they prune? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and and left-handed left left people don't even know that they are uh, left-handed cicatrices. Yeah, they don't know. So, so they would use a tool upside down, 
if they really want to see clearly what they're printing, or they would use a right hand tool in their right hand. And you were speaking about the anvil there. Is that something that we need to keep in mind when we're choosing a tool? Okay, there are two yeah, there are two types of cicatures. You've got the bypass and anvil. The anvil cicatures, the blade is cutting straight on the anvil, so it's going flat onto the a piece of metal. Can you visualize that? Yeah, so the top blade is kind of pressing against the bottom anvil. Yeah, on the bottom is flat. The bottom is flat and, and your blade is cutting, is going flat like on a bench. Okay. The bypass, both blades cross over. On, on, on the bypass is the most common cicatrice, like the Falco 2. The anvil cicatrice is more efficient because you don't have the friction between the blade and the anvil blade. But at the same time, it bruises more because it tends to crush the wood. So we probably recommend it more for dead wood rather than green wood. Now, that's the theory. If you go to Mildura uh, or in the, in the Riverland over there, most people would use an anvil secretary to prune fresh wood because it's a cultural issue. Lots of the, in Italy, you, the, people use a lot of anvil secretaries. And they've always used anvil secateurs. So migrants who came to Australia brought their anvil secateurs with them. So people now use what their parents use, their grandparents use. So there is a tradition of using the anvil secateurs. So it's very cultural. And even if you go to Turkey, we sell a lot of anvil secateurs in Turkey. But in your opinion, that's not really the best way to cut the branch of a tree. Absolutely. Absolutely, because you bruise more. That makes a lot of sense because on the anvil type of pruner, the blade is sort of squashing the branch against the anvil, whereas on the bypass, we're sort of cutting the whole way through. Yes. So why would anybody use the anvil? Like, Are are there some sort of advantages there over the bypass type? Easier to cut, yes. Easier to cut because you don't have the friction between the two parts of the cicatrice. So it goes bang on it. So when you cut dry wood or dead wood, it's, uh, it's much more efficient. And what about pruners that have two cutting edges without the anvil? Yeah, I think they, I think they come mostly from, from Italy, but it's not something that we see very much in Australia. I said probably it, it's, it's uh, harder to get the proper adjustment on the, because the way on tear on the blades might be different, and then you end up having gaps depending the way you sharpen. And as soon as you got gaps between two blades, then your cut is a bit messy and, and you got strings of bark getting caught. And um, so it slows you down. But again, I mean, th- this type of double blade cicatrice is, ver- is not something that's very, very common. We, we haven't talked about, but there is another type of cicatrice which is called a ratchet cicatrice, which have got some gears. And we get a lot of questions about them. The idea of the ratchet cicatrice is that you do two or three cuts on it and it reduces the stress on your hand. And they've got a place in the market. Felcoat is not manufacturing any because professionals don't have time to make three cuts. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a way of life. It's all about productivity. And uh, if you get to make three cuts to, do, to cut one, one piece of wood, you're not getting paid much at the end of the day. <laughs> That makes sense. Yeah, and it makes for tools that are slightly heavier, which have more parts. Yeah, it's a bit tricky. Right, yes. 
I've found that my twos cut through almost anything that I need them to cut through. I'm sort of cutting through things that are much bigger than the, was it 26 millimetres that they rated to? 25. 25? Yeah, I'm sort of cutting through things that are thicker than that, even if they're not rated to that. Of course. I mean, it's what we call a design capacity. We know people put in their cicatrices whatever they can put, I mean, as much as they can. And we're fine with that. Look, we're not precious about it. So you, if you want to cut 40 millimeters, yeah, cut 40 millimeters. Good on you. <laughs> Have fun. Well, I trust my Falcos not to fail. And I, the only thing that's going to fail is going to be my strength. Sometimes you're out in a field somewhere working and your work, you may be parked up on a hill. Maybe you're pruning roses or something like that with just your secretaires. And you notice something sort of a bit larger that needs to be pruned. And you don't want to have to walk all the way up the hill and go and get your loppers or maybe a saw or something like that. You just want to use your pruners. And I found that, yeah, my Falcos are pretty good for that. They're going to be cutting through things a bit thicker than what they're actually rated to cut. You kind of put both hands down the bottom of the handles where you've got the most leverage and you just squeeze with both hands really tightly. Yeah, you know, we've got a model, a, a specific one, which is a number 13, which got even longer handles. And we call it the one-hand, two-hand cicatrices. So basically, you can use it with one hand, but then there's a curved of, in the longer handles, and you can use both hands to cut bigger pieces of wood. Yeah, but it gives you bad habits, you know, because you, you tend to stress your hands more. So really, when it's too big for a pair of cicatrices, you should move to a two loppers. Yeah, you're right. But it's still good to be able to trust the tool that I'm using so I can sort of know that I can belt the tool even if it's not necessarily good for my hands. Yes, and, and look, the, you're lucky because, I mean, the way we manufacture tools, we've got forged aluminium handles. And it's when you make aluminium handles, you've got two ways to make them. You can forge them or cast them. To casting aluminium, you just melt the aluminium, put it in a, in a, in a die, and then out you come with your handle. When you do this, you actually change the, the physical structure of the aluminium and got a risk of having air bubbles in there. So it makes it can make them more prone to breaking. Now, the way we do it, we take a, an aluminium rod and we, we put it in successive processes through large presses, a big, a big one, and we make the form of the handles like this. So basically, we don't change the structure of the aluminium, and, and that's what gives the strength to the tool. And when Felix Flisch, the founder of uh, Felco, uh, started in 1945, that was his original idea. So replace the old forged uh, steel cicatrices where you couldn't change anything by an aluminium handle and a steel blade. And you got to remember that back in 1945, aluminium was pretty much a new material only used for aeroplanes. And his genius was to use aluminium and make a tool which was lighter and still very strong. And, and Felco since has bought their own forge, so they're forging their own handles. There's, there's a bit of history. And, and if you didn't, I mean, Felco means Felix company. Felix was the founder of the company. So for me, as a maintenance gardener, I'm often cutting some pretty big, meaty, woody branches. But not all plant workers are sort of doing the same things as me. Some people doing some little fiddly things, like maybe they're on a vineyard or you know, maybe they're in an orchard and they're sort of cutting really small branches. Maybe they're a florist. What recommendations do you have for people who are doing smaller fiddly stuff? Look, you could use a smaller pair of cicatrices, like a six. So it's got a smaller blade. So, so you, you can see better what you're doing. Or sometimes you use just a pair of snips, like picking snips or pruning snips. 
we've got the FACOS 300, for example, which is a, a, a picking snip, which is a pointy blade. And FACO has just launched a new range of snips, which I haven't seen because they're, they're really brand new. Basically, you use... People ask me often, what do I use for roses? What do I use for vineyards? What do I use for orchards? I mean, they all do the same job. All cicatas do the same job. They cut. There is not, not a specific one for roses or a specific one for vineyards. It's just the one that fits your hand, the one you're comfortable with, and that's got the, the cutting capacity you, you need. If you do fine work, you use some pointy snips. Yeah, right. That makes sense. So the, I guess when I think about people who are working with delicate stuff, maybe my FOCO 2s could probably get in the way of that sort of work, like, for example, floristry. Yeah. In flower shop, they use a lot of scissors. Yeah, the reason is because they put many of them in the bin <laughs> by mistake. Because, because yeah, imagine you get a florist strip, a florist bench, you get lots of foliage, you cut everything, and then you wipe your bench and off your scissors are gone into the bin. So they're a bit reluctant to invest in a really good pair of cicatrices sometimes. And, and the other factor as well, that they're working with a lot of water and Felco blades, carbon steel, so they, if they're constantly in water, they, they, they will rest. Yeah, and do you want to be cleaning them sort of as rarely as possible? Yes, yes. So we've talked a little bit about hand secateurs now. There are other tools that you can use as well for pruning. Why would somebody use a pair of loppers rather than a pair of secateurs? Yes, absolutely. Look, there is a logical progression. So if it's too big for your cicatrices, you use loppers. If it's too big for the loppers, you use a saw. If it's too big for a saw, well, you use a chainsaw, you get someone else to do it. The loppers are basically a big pair of cicatrices with different lengths of handle. So we got them in 40 centimeters, 50 centimeters, 60 centimeters, and the big ones are 80 centimeters. When you look at a pair of loppers, you look at the quality of the bill. Uh, that's really important. That's even more important for the loppers because you put a lot of force onto the loppers because you're always going to try to cut something too big. So if you twist your handles, I mean, they will break. They will, I mean, the adjustment will go off. So that's why it's really important to have a good pair of loppers. And then you look at the, at the type of blades. You've got different types of blades. You've got, you got pointy blades and you've got very curved blades. The curved blades give you more power because they grab the branch earlier, but they need more space to work because you need to open them more to cut. So if you're working into tight bushes, you'd rather have a, a lopper, which is a bit more pointy. And if you're cutting big branches with lots of space, you might use one which has got a more curved blade. And it, it's always a, a matter of compromise. You don't have the perfect lopper in one design. But... Felco's got a variety of loppers, and uh, on the pointy ones, we, we got grooves on the other side of the blade to, to prevent the blade from pushing away from the branch. And we've got loppers with aluminum handles. We even got loppers with carbon fiber handles to reduce the weight. And sometimes I recommend loppers to people who got issues with arthritis, where they cannot hand, handle the pair of cicatrices. So by using a, a short pair of loppers, so let's say a 40 centimeter pair of loper with a pointy blade. Uh, they can use both hands. So it's not ideal, but it does a job. And, and it allows some people to keep on gardening uh, despite arthritis. Yeah, I can only imagine what it's like to try and use a pair of secateurs with arthritis because that tool is really hard on that muscle group sort of in your hands there with that grip. 
Yes. So, so you got to be creative. You got to look at the tools and, and, and go to a place where you got a range of tools and try it. See what works for you. Yeah, absolutely. Just go out there and try it yourself. And I even advise some people with arthritis to use a very small cicatrice, the 14, because it tends to push inside the hand. So you put the pressure inside the hand or not on the thumb, and that helps them as well to get better control. But that's my experience. You know, it's not a, a guideline by Felco. It's just what we've experienced doing uh, the flower show, for example, where we meet a lot of people and we're able to discuss with the customers and get their experience. Yep. You mentioned the chainsaw there. Look, that is not the safest tool in the world. So it may be worthwhile to get somebody else in to do that sort of work for you. Yeah. Well, I'm a bit lazy. So if it's too big, I'll get someone else to do it. <laughs> but... <laughs> But be, before you use, um, let's, say, let's say, the loppers, if you got to, to use a saw, again, with saw, you got different options. you got straight saws and curved saws. Straight saws are better if you're cutting low on in tight corners because you don't need a lot of room. If you've got a curved saw, you got all the benefit when you're cutting above shoulder height because, you know, you can see this, this sort of circular movement uh, using the curve of the saw to pull on, on it. It's not as good in tight corners because you need a bit more space. And it's like loppers. You've got to compromise because you're not going to carry two or three pairs of saws. Yeah. You've probably seen those curved saws if you've been working with plants for a while. A lot of professionals sort of use them. Some of them fold, some of them don't, and they have quite large teeth that are sort of a bit further apart than a metal saw. Yeah. The, the design of the blades have changed over the years. You now got really uh, sort of intricate designs. And the blades are really hardened, so it's really hard to sharpen, almost impossible to sharpen them. So when the, way, when the blade is worn out, you just have to buy a new blade. But the source, <laughs> like it all, it's a compromise. What are we trying to do? We're trying to get a very hard edge, but we don't want to have a blade which is too rigid, otherwise it would snap. So what we do, we do, there is an impulse, electric impulse treatment process where you actually harden just the tip of the blade and that way you keep the flexibility of the blade itself. And, and the new blades, what we do as well, we make them a bit convex. So, so you, you don't have as much metal in, in the middle of the blade. So when it goes through the wood, it, it reduces the pressure. So there's all sort of small technical details in the manufacturing of tools, which makes them better. And, and that's, it's the same for, for the cicadas. So these are details you may not appreciate. You say, oh, why are they so expensive? But then you compare an entry-level tool on, on a better tool. These small details make the difference in the, uh, in the durability of the tool, the ease of use, and the quality of the cuts. Hmm, 100%. I sort of mentioned that I trust my Falcos, and that's because I've actually had my heart broken with cheap pairs before. It's not just that if you break the secretaires, then you have to walk all the way back to the work truck or, you know, maybe even head down to the shops and buy a new pair. It's also that I can go hard with my secretaires because I trust that they won't break on me. So I'm sort of going headfirst into cuts that I wouldn't necessarily make with a cheaper pair of cutters. And I guess that's worth the $100 or so that I've spent on the pair, which is, I mean, you could say that's a lot of money, but is it though? Yes. I mean, and that's, that's, that's an argument. You know what? They're, they're probably the same price that they were 20 years ago or 30 years ago. So 30 years ago, if you bought a pair of Felco in Australia, it would have cost about $100. So, yeah, we've worked really hard 
just to keep the prices where they are. Felco has invested a lot of money in their manufacturing, trying to improve the processes. And it's still, it's still made in the same village where they started. So it's an amazing story. We celebrated 75 years of uh, business last year, and it's still in the same village where it started. And you've got people who've been there all their life. And it's, the company is run by the grandson of the founder. Is that right? It is, yes. So Felco is not sort of some big multinational conglomerate sort of corporation. It's actually still a family-owned business. Yeah. Well, Felco is a sort of, I would say, medium-sized business, probably 150-plus people, still run by the, uh, the two grandsons of the founder. What differentiates Felco from other brands is that we only make secateurs. I mean, that's our core business. We, not make, we don't make spades or rakes or, uh, I don't know, of water hoses. We just do secateurs. So that's our core knowledge. Mm. So by not diffusing your energy into other areas, you're making sure that you get the pruners right. Yes. That's, we live by secateurs. <laughs> a bit silly, but... <laughs> <laughs> There are also other pairs of pruners that we can talk about. I'd like to talk a little bit about hedge shears now. What can you tell us about shears, Blaze? Hedge shears. Well, we don't make hedge shears. Okay, right. So you do loppers but not shears. <laughs> I've discussed that with Feko for the last 20 years, pretty much. <laughs> we do loppers, but we don't do shears. And I wish we did, but it's a different technology. I mean, the blades are much longer. And so you need different machines, different technology, all sort of uh, good reasons not to make them. But it may come. Have you ever bought a pair of shears before? No, because I've got a very old one with wooden handles, which works really well. And I probably inherited it from my parents. And I came to Australia with it, and uh, it works really well. So it's the durability that you like about it and the way that it feels in your hands? Yes, on the cut well, on, on the sturdy. Yeah, and it's hard to find really good pair of shears. Okay, because Falco doesn't make them. Yeah, because Falco doesn't make them. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that would be a bit arrogant. <laughs> <laughs> no, so again, if we're looking at buying a pair of shears, we might consider choosing a reputable brand and also something that feels good in our hands. Yes, and talk to the professionals. Talk to your gardener. Say, what do you use? And why do you use it? Make, make your own research. Yes, 100%. So are there any other Felco pruners that are worthy of a mention in your opinion, Blaze? Yes. Well, we haven't spoken about the Felco 8, which is a bit, bit more ergonomic in terms of shape. So it's got a different shape than the Felco 2. And it's got the full-size capacity, but it can't feel, fit medium hands because it's a bit more curved in the handle. And it exists in left-handed version as well. Yeah, that, that's... In the terms of tools, yeah, and, and then you go to the 14, 15, 16. So think about every size got a left-handed version and every size got a rolling handle version. And you got rolling handle versions in the left version as well. Because if you try to use a rolling handle in your left hand, it doesn't work at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> but again, it's always the advice I give to people. Try to find a place where they got a selection. On, there is no... No right or wrong with the tools. It's just the one that fits your hand, that you're comfortable with. And what fits you might not fit me. Now, we haven't spoke, talked about the Felco 4 and the Felco 5. So the Felco 4 is a sort of downgraded version of the Felco 2. 
It's got fewer features, but it's it's still a very good tool. It doesn't got cushioning in the middle. It's got the the adjusting mechanism is a bit simpler, but it's a very good tool. And the Felco Five is what I would call the workhorse. So it's heavy, it's big, heavy, and it's all steel, steel handle. So it makes it heavier, but it's cheaper. So what the Felco Five, for example, has something is missing something that the other tools have got. So it hasn't got a subgroove. Let me describe what a subgroove is. So when you've got when you're cutting plants that are sappy, what the, the sap tends to accumulate on the blade on the other side of the blade, and the tools tend to stick because you got the glue there. Yeah. <laughs> Cheaper tools got usually a flat anvil blade. So the the opposite of the blade is flat. So you've got a big contact surface between the blade and the anvil blade, and that's where it tends to stick. On most of the tools, like the Felco 2, you actually got a small ridge on, on this anvil blade, So which makes it, the contact with the blade is reduced to a few millimeters. And when you cut, you're actually pushing the sap over the edge, and they don't stick as much. So next time you look at your Felco 2, have a look at this. And that's a, sometimes a big difference between a cheap tool and a better tool. It's those little details. Yeah, there are lots of little details that are, that are not obvious when you don't know. But the subgroove is very important because you don't, you push a sub over the edge and your contact point between the blade and the anvil blade is smaller, so they don't stick as much. I just want to clarify that on the bypass pruners, they also do have an anvil. It's just that the top blade bypasses that anvil. Yes. Yes, I know it's confusing. The anvil blade is a non-cutting part. On the Felco with that's got an aluminium handle. It's actually a piece of steel which is either riveted on the aluminium handle or screwed on the aluminium handle. So, Blaze, how can we tell if our Falcos are genuine and they're not a ripoff? Okay. Usually, a Falco is, well, not usually. Every Falco, you've got Falco engraved on the tool. Falco and a number. Unless you've got a very old one that might call Falco popular. But you still got Felco written on it. Everything which has got a red handle is not a Felco. And usually you can you can see it because you might have sort of odd screws sticking out from the blade. The sum catch is uh, which is a piece of metal which is raised too much. The the red is not as bright as a Felco red. Yes, yeah, some can be misleading, but usually they don't have Felco written on it. And if you think you got a Felco and it's got blue handles, it's not a Felco. I've argued with people say, I've got a Felco which has blue, got blue handles. I say, yeah, yeah I'm sorry, sir. We've we only ever made them in red. Yeah, and when you see someone with a pair of red-handled pruners, you sort of find yourself zooming in on them a little bit and checking if they are actually Felcos because I guess it is a bit of a status symbol having the Felcos. Yes, yes. Look, and there are lots of imitations. Look, look at the price as well. So if it's at $40... Yeah, it's not likely to be a Felco. I mean, the cicadas go from $5 to $100, roughly. And, and we are at the top end. And we're not ashamed of that because the cicadas you buy will last you for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. Absolutely. So we were talking about $100 uh, earlier and said, is that a lot of money? It might seem a lot of money, but if you're working better, faster, you're more productive, you've got less stress. It's not a lot of money. No, it's not. 
and you're talking about being more productive and being less stressed. As we were sort of saying before, I trust my Felcos, so I go hard with them, as opposed to maybe if I was using a pair of cheapies, I might leave some cuts for when I bring the loppers round, or maybe the saw or something like that that I may not have on me. So yeah, you know, they may be more expensive, but as a professional gardener, you know, I'm sort of happy to pay that because of the value that I'm actually getting. Yes, and there's something else as well, that, uh, which is in the FECO DNA, is that we've got parts. I think we, I can say confidently, we're probably the only brand on the market that has got good access to parts for all the tools. I mean, I've been running this business for 10 years, but I've been with the business 15 years, and we had a warehouse full of spare parts. So we had all the spare parts to fix all the tools since 1945. So you come to me with a tool that your grandparents have given you, we can still refurbish it. And we're the only brands definitely to offer uh, servicing. So you can sell your tools to Felco and uh, with, for a fee, we can refurbish them and send them back to you. They're looking as new. And if, and if it's too expensive, we will tell you, of course, because things wear out. I mean, you cannot say it's never going to wear out. Totally agree. Yeah, but I think that's something pretty unique in the Felco brand. And we offer this in Australia. We got a dedicated train service manager been trained at the factory and we know the tools inside out totally agree and that leads us into our next episode which is all about maintaining your tools yes so before we wrap this episode up i always like to ask our guests a very open-ended question which is do you have anything else that you'd like the listeners to know about yes i've got a tip for your users if you buy a good pair of cicators buy a holster (laughs) that's a great tip yeah. Why I say that is that because you're less likely to lose your cicators because if you come back and the holster is empty, you say, ah, I've left my cicators on top of the compost. So you, you still got time to go and pick them up. So it does protect them. So you're less likely to drop them. And because if you drop your cicators, you might break the tip of the blade or bend them, which is not ideal. So yeah, that's a good a tip for your users. And if you want to adjust or I mean, use proper tools to do it. And if you're scared about dismantling your cicators, um, that might be for the next segment. Take pictures of what you're doing. Don't be scared. Thanks for coming on the show, Blaze. That was an excellent episode. Cheers. My pleasure. Thank you, Daniel. If you haven't heard, we're doing a Falco social media giveaway with a pair of Falco 2s a Felco sharpener, and a leather Felco holster for one very lucky randomly selected Aussie listener. Check out our show notes for links, or search Plants Grow Here on Facebook or Twitter, or Daniel Fuller Plants Grow Here on LinkedIn. You don't want to miss out on this one, so go ahead and put a comment in on at least one of those platforms. If you have an account on all three platforms, you may as well try your luck on all of them to triple your chances of winning. We'll be announcing the winner on Monday the 19th of April at 5pm Melbourne time.